0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Welcome to the latest edition of the All-American Spook Show. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Professor Smoke. What's up? Donnie and Will are both on assignment. They got some stuff going on, so they were not able to make it this week. And that's a shame because it's it's time for our latest cannon fodder, which these are always a blast. And, and I don't think there's any less of a blast here this week with Cyborg from 1989. Now, we all nominated a movie. We, we put it on our old uh, famous wheel and we spun it, and this is what it landed on. Uh, but I nominated this one, so... I'm a proud papa today that we're, <laughs> we're getting around a cyborg. Uh, but it is kind of bittersweet in the sense that like this was pretty much it for classic Canon films. Uh, not it for us. I mean we got a thousand movies to keep watching here on Canon fodder as the you know months and years go by but uh, as far as Canon itself, this was pretty much the death of the Canon that you knew and loved back then because this was the last one that they released as a Golan Globus production. Uh, there in uh, 1989. So we'll get into a little bit more of that as we go on. And of course, we've got our usual Canon Chronicles tidbit from Canon Film Guide Volume 1 and Volume 2 author Austin Trunick. That will be coming up here in just a few minutes. So I'm I'm sure he'll have some uh, details on on that. And uh, and we've got some other stuff that we dug up. So it ought to be an interesting episode. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, This is a cool one. Um, But before we dive in, we want to put it out on Front Street that we are a spoiler-filled podcast. So if you have not seen Cyborg and you want to watch it, you probably want to go ahead and hit pause, go check it out, and come back and listen to us talk about it and listen to uh, Austin's Chron- Canon Chronicles bit and everything. You don't want to miss any of that. So we encourage you to go check it out and then come back and listen to us because we are going to spoil this movie here on the podcast. Um, we also want to remind you to go over to spookshow.com That's the center of the Spook Show universe. From there, you can go to our YouTube page where we have... Spook Show Rewind, Video Vortex, Hammer Horror in Order, and, of course, Grindhouse Gutter. All those come out you know, pretty much weekly, every month. Uh, there, there might be a week or so there that we, we don't put out any of that stuff. But for the most part, it comes out every week, each month. So uh, lots of cool little series there. And, of course, we, all, we also put podcast episodes all over there. So if you don't listen to your podcast in your traditional manners, you can also listen to them over on our YouTube channel. And you can get there through AASpookShow.com, where you can also get to Patreon.com slash AASpookShow, our Patreon page, where every month over there, we have many levels. And you get uh, our video minisodes every month, that features the library of the professor. And you also get the most important thing, Crapster piece Theater. Where good <laughs> good God, you, you you landed a turd on us this month <laughs> with Troll 2, yeah, yeah, yet another turd. But I think this will be a more fun turd than we had last month with cats, right?
1: Definitely yes, <laughs> yeah. This one, uh, I say I, I didn't choose cats. Donnie, I believe, it was chose <laughs> yeah. cats and was the lucky one not to have to do the episode. Mm-hmm. This time around, I chose Troll Two, but I chose. See, I, I need to. I need to figure out the uh, the choosing method on what might win that I don't want to see. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because Troll Two, I chose it won, but I kind of want to see it because it's been a while and it's it's a fun fun crap movie, you know. So, uh, yeah, and I will.
0: Also- I can that. And I will also add that it overwhelmingly won this poll. Like I don't have the final numbers in front of me, but it it took like it was uh, double, almost nearly <laughs> double the next movie that was on the list. So, as far <laughs> as polls are concerned, you picked a big winner, which is ironic because I'm pretty sure that we've nominated Troll Two before on one of these polls. Yeah. I think
1: I put it on there before one time, Maybe. but I don't remember what it was up against and what won that time. But.
0: Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look, but I know it's been nominated before by you or someone else and it did not win, but this time, boy, it, it took the poll by storm. So, uh, yeah, that will be coming out later this week. It comes out March 24th, Friday, but you only get to listen to it. If you're a patron over on patreon.com slash a spook show. So we encourage you to do that. Lots of cool stuff over there. And, uh, so yeah, I guess that's, that's pretty much it. So we'll go ahead and, Toss to the trailer before we get into Austin's Canon Chronicles.
2: Welcome to the world of the not-too-distant future. Get going! Go! A brutal gang is reshaping the world into their own vision of hell.
1: And only one man can stop them. Jean-Claude Van Damme is leading the battle between good and evil. Take him out. As it's never been fought before. He's on a desperate mission. To rescue a cyborg who holds the secret for saving the world.
2: Why did you help me?
1: I don't want to see you die.
2: From the dust of destruction, rises the warrior of a new age. Say goodbye, my friend. Jean-Claude Van Damme has become the first hero of the 21st century. Cyborg.
0: All right, so there you go. That's the trailer for Cyborg. So now I guess we'll—it's—it's uh, it's time. We always give Austin Trunick, author of uh, the Canon Film Guide, Volume One and Volume Two, the floor every time we do a Cannon fodder, or if we randomly do one like we did with Hospital Massacre, where we, it wasn't a Cannon fodder, but it, since it was a Cannon movie, we kind of we, we treated it as such. So every time we pretty much do a Cannon movie since we started doing this back with what uh, no holds no not no holds barred. I'm, that's not a canon uh, movie. Although you could see that being a canon movie. I think we started yeah, yeah. with uh, Over the Top. I think is where we all started it. Although we went back and yeah. retroactively added in New Year's Evil and Ten to Midnight. Those are the ones. So th- those are basically the only episodes you'll listen to in the archives that don't have a segment from Austin Trunick. But pretty much everything since then, if it's a canon film, we've got Austin on. So here we go. Canon Chronicles with Austin Trunick.
2: Hello, Austin Trinick here, author of the Canon Film Guidebooks. I've been asked to say a few words about Cyborg, which is probably the most Albert Pune movie that Albert Pune made at Canon. Now, I've told the origin story of Cyborg before, but it's so good and so Canon that it's worth sharing over and over again. So, this movie was not supposed to be Cyborg, at least not right off the bat. Canon had plans to shoot two higher-profile movies down at the De Lo- Dino De La Renta Studios in the Carolinas, Those were going to be Masters of the Universe 2 and Canon's much-delayed, much-celebrated, much-ballyhooed film version of Spider-Man. These movies were going to both be directed by Albert Pune and were going to be shot back-to-back in a pretty wild manner. They were going to shoot the first half of Spider-Man, then take a break to shoot all of the second He-Man movie, and then bring everyone back just in time to shoot the second half of Spider-Man. Now, if you look around, you'll read varying stories about bounce checks or late licensing payments, but there's probably more truth to Canon just not being able to afford two different movies of that scale at that point in the late 1980s. I would also venture to guess that the licensors probably didn't want their product showcased with films that looked cheaper than a regionally shot monster movie. So in any case, both Spider-Man and He-Man 2 were cancelled, with pre-production was already underway with Spider-Man sets being constructed and crates full of Master Universe props and costumes on their way in the shipping containers to North Carolina. Now, obviously, Cannon were interested in recouping some of the money they'd sunk into those two movies, and fortunately, they had one of the most resourceful directors of all time working for them. Albert Pune basically... Banged out a script for Cyborg in just a matter of days, and Cannon had JCVD on contract for another movie following Bloodsport, so things came together very quickly. Now, if you watch this movie carefully, you can spot elements from those two prior projects in Cyborg. For example, if you look at the chainmail that Fender Tremolo, the main bad guy, wears, that's the same piece of costume that the bad guy Blade was wearing in Masters of the Universe from 1987. Or when you watch the big, rainy fight scene, you can see a half-built facade for the Daily Bugle in the background behind them. Now, I think there are two types of people in this world. People who are game for anything that Albert Pune puts down, and people who feel a need to know what the hell is happening when they're watching a movie. If you're in the former group, you're going to love this one. There's a crazy post-apocalyptic setting, special effects and costumes that look both brilliant and cheap at the same time, Characters named after guitars for no discernible reason other than it's awesome. Plus, you get some extended fight scenes directed and choreographed by Van Damme himself, which just adds to the wildness, adds to the visual flair of this movie. If you are not someone who jibes with Albert Pune's low-budget, visionary, gung-ho, batshit style of making movies, I don't really know what to tell you. I feel like Cyborg is among his most approachable sci-fi films for the uninitiated. And for a rating, well, I have to give this one a five. How how can I not? Uh, for how quickly it was slapped together and how fun it is despite that, I owe it at least five stars. This is an Aberpune classic, in my opinion. And with that, I am out, Spook Show listeners. I will catch you all next time.
0: Oh, there you go. I, I think... I think everything he's talking about with Albert Pune here, uh, it, it, I think he, this dude almost deserves a spooks or a spotlight at some point. <laughs> maybe we even have maybe we have like a, spe, a special like cannon spotlight. I don't know, something like that. We got to do something for the guy, right?
1: Yeah, he's going to show up on just about everything. Maybe not, maybe not a grindhouse gutter, but he's going to. He's already on on cannon fodder. He's more than likely going to show up in the cult corner video. Vortex. You know, and I'm video speaking, vortex. thinking of a one particular movie. Yeah, that is sword and the so- sword in the sorcerer definitely needs to be on Colt corner. But yeah, the uh, video vortex—he's got quite a few that were not even well, more than quite a few that weren't theatrical that were straight to video. So yeah, he'll he'll show up on just about every episode of the Spook Show outside of Grindhouse Gutter. <laughs> yeah, I mean every series.
0: Yeah, uh, as far as this movie is concerned, Cyborg. You heard Austin talk about some of its uh, background there with its ties to <laughs> Master of the Universe and, and the failed Spider-Man. Movies from Canon. That goes into some of the titles that I found for this. You know, IMDb lists various different titles on there, and sometimes you find we find some pretty wacky ones. This one kind of is all over the board. It's also known as First Hero in the Philippines. Uh, the working title of the movie and a recut version and other versions you might see in other countries, it's known as Slinger. Uh, in the UK, an alternate title for this is Cyborg 009. <laughs> 009.
1: That's... Uh, now, what was that? you said the very first uh first hero
0: that was in the philippines
1: i know where that came from and only because i just read the tagline for this movie is he's the first hero of the 21st century and he's our only hope
0: yeah so i guess go. that's
1: where this hero comes from so they <laughs> just pulled from
0: the tagline a title <laughs> <It's> <laughs> heat seekers that's the script title which I, yeah whatever right I don't, <laughs> whatever this thing's all over the place masters of the universe 2 tv title Masters of the Universe 2 Cyborg, another TV title. and the well, Those weren't
1: confusing titles at all. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: And, of course, the working title of Spider-Man. Now, you know, you heard Austin explain the reasons for all that. But, yeah, that's, that's crazy. And, of course, it was produced and distributed by the Canon Group. And, unfortunately, like we said, the last one of the, 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 the key timeline of Canon that we talked the most about, the Golden Globus era. Surprise, surprise, this movie is rated R total runtime of one hour, 26 minutes. It's uh, listed on IMDb as an action sci-fi thriller. And it was filmed at, uh, li- like he mentioned, uh, uh, parts at least, uh, the De La Renta studios, EUE screen gym studios there in Wilmington, North Carolina. Other parts of that area include Wrightsville beach, North Carolina, castle Hayne, North Carolina, uh, various, uh, parts of Tucson, Arizona, and even some out in California. So they were, they were all over the country, filming parts of this movie at various times around give or take starting in June of 1988. So I'm assuming that means to probably throughout the summer of 1988 was when this was actually filmed for best. We can tell a budget of $500,000. Now, some of that included the money that they had poured into Spider-Man and masters of the universe too. Right. But so I think yeah. smoke, you had seen something where like that probably totaled over 2 million or so that they had kind of put into that.
1: Right? Yeah, they had, Somewhere around the somewhere in the neighborhood of two million dollars or a little more on the pre production stuff for Masters of the Universe and Spider Man. So, yeah, but but the budget of this, as you said, was I guess 500,000, yeah, including yeah. included in that was Jean Claude Van Damme's pay. And I don't know what that I don't know what chunk of that was his, but uh, but yeah, that's that was the uh, the running total. I guess the, the actual total is 500,000, but
0: you would imagine yeah. that Van Damme had to have gotten a big chunk of that because I mean. You know, so. he's kind <laughs> he of was the biggest thing going for it. You yeah. Know. I mean, he's kind of in, at the beginning of his prime time, uh, prime years here, right? Like around here, like yeah, he,
1: he was basically going on blood actually. And they, they wanted Chuck Norris for this movie that, originally.
0: That would have been Albert awesome.
1: Jr., yeah. That would have been cool. That would have been awesome. But I guess, uh, you know, Golden Globus or whichever one or both recommended, uh, Van Damme based on the popularity of blood sport. Yeah. So, uh, and he was I a hot mean, property at the yeah, time. Yeah, Not so. that they made a poor yeah, choice. It just would have been, was.
0: it would have been awesomely different with Chuck Norris in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, But still, regardless, I mean, for what you see here and, and I will say, I watched this on Amazon prime and I think you said you watched it on Tubi when we were talking earlier, I, I would imagine it's probably the same version of the movie that's out there streaming. This movie, as far as the look of it still holds up pretty well. Like it looks, that's a good copy. Oh yeah. Like it looks good. Yeah. You know,
1: it looks, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, the the whatever they used to strike, you know, I guess they had a very decent uh, thirty five millimeter print. <laughs> yeah, to pull this from and remaster it or whatever, but it was definitely remastered in that version I saw in Tubi, which I guess I assume is probably the same version you saw. Yeah, I assume probably I on probably Amazon would, Prime.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. But it looked really good, and I think considering what we're talking about here with the budget, like you know. <laughs> This remastered version, man. I mean, it really holds up. It is, you know, the only
1: the only thing I saw in there that might be, you know, a little iffy as far as the effects go is the the mat work when they're entering Atlanta. Yeah, the yeah. post apocalyptic look of Atlanta. If they had just stayed with the post apocalyptic look of Atlanta from the distance, it would have been better. But they incorporated the actors into the bottom lower lower half of the screen, and yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the only time that that budget that low budget you know shows because it was really terrible matte work there. Yeah. They, they should have just with showing the distance. Atlanta the distance is a POV from them or whatever. But, yeah, you, but so that's really
0: It would have it would have looked yeah. even better if you hadn't seen like the group of people walking across that bridge toward it cuz you're looking at it like uh oh, you know <laughs> that looks that looks bad. <laughs> yeah. But it definitely had sure. that it definitely looked like something that Canon put out in the 80s there, for, you know, for yeah, that, yeah. for that stuff.
1: Definitely did. And mentioning that too my like you said as we talked about off the initial top of the show that this is for all intents and purposes, this is the last canon film that was released when canon was canon, so to speak. It was the last theatrical movie of them together at the time, even though they kind of trailed on into the early 90s for a little while. And that's fitting, because when you think canon, you think 80s. Even though the company started earlier, but, when, you know, Golden Globus came into the picture, I believe it was either late 70s or early 80s, right? Somewhere in there?
0: Yeah, yeah, late 70s. And, that's like, and they took over early, like, basically right at 1980.
1: Yeah, 1980, so you... Yeah. 1980 to 1989, that is the prime Canon years. Yep. And it's more than fitting that it's the entire decade of the eighties. Cause yeah. that's all you think of. Basically when you think of Canon, you think of the eighties and, and they, I, and they define eighties. Sure, you know, the mo-
0: yeah. For the most part, we're, do- we're talking on Canon fodder here. We're talking about movies that Golden Globe has produced in, you know, from 80 to 89, but you know, we're open to doing stuff that came out before and after that, but yeah, you're right for a, a studio that started 1967 and didn't really go away until, what, 1994, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Its prime golden years are the 80s, 80 to 89. So that's that's right in the wheelhouse of what everybody knows and loves, even though they were there well before that and, frankly, well after yeah. that. Yeah. As far as box office is concerned, it went on to make a worldwide gross of $10.1 million, which is, you know, very respectable for a, a canon film, for sure. Oh, yeah. The weekend that it opened. This is the weekend of April seventh through the 9th of nineteen eighty nine. I've got the top ten. Number ten, Dangerous Liaisons. That was in its sixteenth week. Good lord, it, it just feels like these days you don't hear of a movie playing that long anymore. You know, like, sometimes we we'll look at these and like, well, it's in its thirty second week. You're like Jesus Christ, you know, uh, sixteen weeks at it. That sounds like a long run, especially for today's standards. Number nine, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure it was in its eighth week. Number eight, Lean on Me. Number seven, The Rescuers. That was the 1989 re-release. Number six, in its opening week, Dead Calm. Number five, uh, in its fourth week, Fletch Lives. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And opening up at number four, Cyborg. It made $3.1 million in its opening week for canon. Pretty good way for them to to go out.
1: kind of sucks for them, you know, at the time. I mean, it's great for them, but kind of sucks that they go out on a movie that really made I mean, yeah. they were good at making money off of these movies, you know, making them for and cheap did. and then get good profits from them. But they turned a good profit off of this one. And it, but they had already,
0: yeah, it
1: um, already had gone south before this movie, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure, uh, Austin will go deep. And whenever he finally releases volume three of the Canon film guide, I'm sure he'll go deep into the demise of Canon films and we could have a whole discussion. That's a, probably a whole episode with Austin right there. Just talking about yeah. the end of Canon films. And and I'm sure we'll do that one day, but it is kind of a shame that like this one was successful, but the writing was already on the wall. It was already it, it was pretty much already over, you know.
1: Yeah, they overreached. You know, long yeah. story short, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty much. Uh, number three at the box office that week, Rain Man. It was in its seventeenth week, and two op- two uh, slightly bigger openings than Cyborg came out that week. Number two, The Dream Team, had opened up. And number one, Major League, the baseball classic. Yeah, that was, uh, it was a pretty good week weekend for movies there. Uh, opening up Major League, The Dream Team, Cyborg, and Dead Calm uh, all that weekend. So not bad. Not bad. L- lots of good choices that weekend. So it's always cool to look back at the, you know, the old box office stuff. And, of course, like we talked about just a few minutes ago, it was directed and written by Albert Pune. He's best known for The Sword and the Sorcerer. Uh, tons of other like random low budget type flicks like this, like Alien from L.A., uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. You know the one from uh, 1988, <laughs> right before Cyborg. <laughs> honestly, uh, a couple years yeah. after this, he did uh, Captain America. Good Lord, that one from yeah. 1990.
1: Oh yeah, that that like Austin Trudic said, it is Albert Pune. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. an Albert Pune. Pugh- View of Marvel and of Captain America. It wasn't the first live action Captain America. That was 1979, and I don't remember exactly who directed that one. But, but Dan, yeah, (laughs) the Albert one was he did
0: a he did a couple of the Kickboxer sequels: Kickboxer Two, The Road Back, Kickboxer Four, The Aggressor, (laughs) Doll Man, Nemesis, Brain Smasher, A Love Story. (laughs) That's a directed video, (laughs) I believe. Hong Kong '97, Heat Seeker. That's funny. He comes back around because wasn't one of the titles for this is Heat Seekers. He comes back That's trying true. to make a <laughs> movie ninety five called Heat Seeker. The ne- uh, Nemesis movies: Nemesis, Nemesis Two, Nebula, Nemesis Three, Time Lapse, Nemesis Four, <laughs> Death Angel. You get the point. Uh, yeah, we we got lots of uh, Crapster Piece, Video Vortex, Grindhouse Gutter, if you will. We got lots of stuff to go through with uh, this dude's uh, oh, yeah. filmography. So I'm I'm looking forward to that one too.
1: Yeah, we'll have to do a spotlight for sure, and yeah. and, and then get to some more of his his uh, off the wall zany movies as as Austin trying mentioned
0: yeah uh this movie of course stars jean-claude van damme as gibson Rickenbacher.
1: you know now first of all before we go any further than that when i hear rickenbacker i think instead of jean-claude van damme maybe they could have got lemmy from uh, motorhead to play <laughs> Rickenbacker role because that <laughs> for those who don't know lemmy played rickenbacker ex- exclusively that that yeah. you know that trademark base of his was a rickenbacker did and that, you see lemmy as, in the role of jean-claude Claude van damme in this movie i don't no, think so but no, it would have been no but big. it would have
0: been awesome yeah <laughs> not quite as awesome as Chuck Norris, but it would have been awesome for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, once again, Jean-Claude Van Damme, we could go on all day with his accolades. Double impact, uh, double team, kickboxer. Uh, even that highly acclaimed like, documentary that he made uh, that was made about him, like you know, JCVD. I mean, tons. Like, this dude is... Oh, yeah. This dude is action in the late 80s and, and most of the 90s, right? He is, he is the action star.
1: And one of my personal favorites where he, I don't know if it was his intro movie or not, but he played a bad guy, which he usually doesn't do or you didn't do after he became bigger, but No Retreat, No Surrender. Mm. We'll definitely have to get around to that on Colt, Colt Corner or
0: something. Tons of good stuff, and, and I would venture to say Van Dam might be a, an action spotlight episode or something, or maybe something we could do over on the YouTubes or something, you know, like some little other offshoot kind of thing. Cause he didn't do a lot of horrors, or anything like that. So, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily deserved of a spook show spotlight, but one of the biggest action stars of, of the time period. No, no doubt about that. He's right there in the same breath with Schwarzenegger, Stallone and Bruce Willis, right? Then there's Van Dam and Chuck Norris and a handful of other guys, but he's right there. Steven Seagal, guys like that.
1: Yeah, he kind of came in about that time, right, as Seagal, maybe. Because he was a little bit yeah. later in the 80s. Like, that No Retreat, No Surrender might have been 86 or so, but he wasn't a name by that time. It wasn't until Bloodsport, I guess, right, that did it.
0: Yeah, I think that was the one that kind of really he took off from there. He kind of
1: uh, picked up the mantle from the earlier guys who came in in the 70s and were working throughout the 80s. Then he kind of picked up from there sort of the way uh, Stephen Seagal did, too.
0: It also stars Deborah Richter as Natty Simmons. You know, she's the uh, the, I guess, teenage... Uh, early 20s girl that's kind of following Gibson 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 Rickenbacher.
2: Rickenbacher.
0: <laughs> going into what Austin was talking about with the guitar names that's hilarious and fender and <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was what was uh pearl what was her last name pearl
0: pearl prophet
1: pearl, <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god
0: yeah all right there's t- like, like just just going through the names now, i'm not even going to go through the actors you've got Marshall Strat <laughs>
1: <laughs> Stratocaster, there. Yeah. Yes. That's his uh, full last name: Stratocaster.
0: Furman Fox, Brick <laughs> Bardo. There's a lot of a lot of good ones here. I mean, you could keep going on: Vondo, Zilo, <laughs> Roland Pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why? why, why, Albert <laughs> Pune? Why? <laughs> well,
1: you, know, you know, this kind of ties into the original cut that we haven't talked about that yet. But I mean, we're going through the actors still. But the original cut had a more rock score to it too hmm. i mean it was you know and uh i guess we'll we'll go through the i'll go through the actors first we'll get around to talking about that other cut later but i mean the, the names tying into rock and roll music instruments generally considered to be rock and roll instruments you know guitars and bass play you know drums all these different names of the uh, actors in the roles ties into the fact that it was supposed to have been uh, hell, originally it was going to be a rock opera, I think, but then the opera part got dropped out of it. And then yeah. the soundtrack was rock oriented, you know, but we'll get to that later.
0: Deborah Richter, she would best be known really probably from this. I mean, she was in a handful of episodes of Hill Street Blues, but she was also in the movie uh, Midnight Madness uh, in 1980. We've got Vincent Klein as Fender Tremolo. <laughs> that's, the, that's the
1: other one else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fender Tremolo.
0: Like... <laughs> uh. God almighty. <laughs> Uh, he would best be known for Point Break, Gangland, Double Dragon, um, you know, tons of stuff of that era, like the nineties, these type of movies. He was in a, he was in a lot of them. He had, he had a unique look. I'll say that. Um, oh, yeah. and you know, of course, a few other names, Alex Daniels was Marshall Strat, <laughs> Dale Haddon as Pearl Prophet. As far as like names, you may even be recognized, you know, there's not a lot of names here. I mean, Van Dam is the star of the movie, so he, he's really the only name, but th- that's about it as far as going through that. And of course this was produced by Yoram Globus and Menachem Golan. So, so there's that. So, uh, was there anything else you wanted to, uh, talk specifically about before we start diving into it?
1: I don't know. Should we go into that, uh, alternate cut now?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I, I I wasn't even really aware that there was an alternate cut until we started looking around and stuff here. Like that would be super interesting to see. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I I mean, and it does exist. Apparently I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know there was, like you said, an alternate court, much less the fact that it actually was released. But yeah, apparently it was a more violent version. It was more stylized. It Originally, Albert Pune's idea was that opera elements would be in it. I guess rock opera or whatever. You know, they, they weren't going to go for that at all. So, But he, they did let him shoot the cut that he wanted to, which was originally it could be black and white with a rocks more rock-oriented score. With more violence, in fact, so much that the MPAA, when they submitted it to them, they got an X rated for X rating for the violence. Uh, but apparently this cut was screened for, you know, as they do for you know, test audiences or whatever. Like one out of one hundred people maybe liked the the cut that Albert Pune, you know, that they viewed, that, that original Albert Pune cut. And apparently it was just sort of it was too maybe dark or whatever. It was it was a lot more darker than say a typical Canon film would be or a typical John, not that there was a typical Jean Claude Van Dam movie at the time, but he had done a few. And Van Damme wasn't too pleased with the cut himself either. So of course they went back to the drawing board and took the movie away from Albert Pune at that point and basically gave it to Van Damme to cut the way he did sort of with Blood Blood Sport. He cut the scenes together to make the fighting scenes more uh, action oriented and more plentiful, whereas the original cut maybe had a little it had more gore, more violence, more stylized type stuff, you know, scenes like that, but it had less of the fighting scenes per se. So uh, they gave it to van uh, Van Dam to cut and he cut it the way that it is that it exists now. and unfortunately that started a trend for Albert Hume because I think I was reading like twelve or thirteen movies beyond this one, each one of those got taken from him at some point in the process, and somebody else, Finished it or cut it together differently or whatever. So, so I don't know how much of what we're really seeing in some of these later Albert Pugh movies was Albert Pugh or the producers necessarily yeah. <laughs> cutting the way they wanted to cut it. But at, at any rate, that that cut out there does exist. Uh, apparently, Albert Pugh he you know, he died here back in uh, November 2022. But prior to that, I guess he was distributing that cut himself, and I know that it was released in Germany. That cut, the Albert Bune cut was released in Germany under the, what was the title? That was, uh, one of the, uh, sli- what was a slinger it? slinger? Yeah. I was trying to think of the, the plot device of slingers in the story, which isn't really, dis- you know, it's not really described it's much as what they are. necessarily. So you
0: kind of have to come up with it on your own. Like, oh, okay, that's what they do. I think they're kind of just guides, right? Like basically they, they, they kind of smuggle people from one place to another kind of thing, I guess. <laughs>
1: kind of have to gather that from some dialogue a little bit here or there in the movie but apparently in the in the albert pune cut there is a more explanation in the beginning of what you know what they are and how, what they do and they are they basically guide people through these danger infested cities you know of like because you know it's a post-apocalyptic world and so to get them through to protect them as bodyguards basically to get them through a city to, to wherever their destination is that they're going so They're basically glorified bodyguards, right? he is out there. And I do want to see it at some point. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll find it and we'll all watch it at some point later on down the road and have it as some sort of a addendum to the cannon Potter or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If we can get our hands on a copy of that, yeah, we're watching it and we're going to do something about, (laughs) we're going to do some YouTube, some podcast special, something we'll do something with that. If we can get our hands on it. I don't know how easily accessible it is, but they did end up making two sequels to this movie. Although, they have little to no relation to this movie other than just the fact that it's called Cyborg. There was Cyborg two in 1993 and that has Angelina Jolie in it. And then there is Cyborg three, the recycler <laughs> direct the video. So this sounds like uh video vortex time that came out in 1995.
1: I think another one that Pune did, right? Cause I know we were talking about it all fair, so to speak. And I, I don't, I remember him saying that he wanted to do a movie, but, I, you know, he died back in November 2022. But I'm pretty sure on his credits, there's something listed. Now, he did the Nemesis film.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But there was a movie listed as Nemesis, but it has Cyborg in the title. Oh, Cyborg Nemesis, The Dark Rift.
0: Okay, so... so I don't know. I, I, we'll it, have to figure out... That, as far as titles know, concerned, it. it's not a sequel. I'm not seeing it listed, but, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there might be some connection there, since, you know, he wrote and directed this one, but... Uh, I'm just looking at Cyborg 3, the recycler. <laughs> it's got uh, Malcolm McDowell in it. It looks, th- just the cover of this, it looks so bad. So bad. So, yeah, we'll be getting to that. <laughs> I got that to look forward to. Time for refreshment. Refreshment. For your enjoyment, there's hot, fresh popcorn, tempting, delicious hot dogs, and so many kinds of ice cream, and, of course sparkling, delicious, ice-cold Coca-Cola for everybody at the refreshment counter now. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I just go over to Audible and I type in cyborg. And I got to say, a lot. it looks like a lot of uh, romance novels pop up for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> including this series called the Cyborg Seduction Series. I see at least book five of this Oh no, wait a minute there's a book seven so yeah there, that's why why <laughs> there's a number of these titles on here and some of these are like audible exclusives it looks like there's also cyborg core publisher's pack what is this cyborg core book one and two by jn chaney and christopher winder cyborg what cyborg secret baby the interstellar brides program the colony series book seven what the by grace goodwin <laughs> who knew <laughs> who knew that like the cyborgs? there's a, whole, <laughs> there's a cyborg cy- subculture or- of romance novels here but if any of that floats your boat and i'm sure if will were here he'd, he'd be pretty excited or donnie for that He's probably all of them yeah, yeah true he, <laughs> he would probably him or donnie either one would probably have far more information than we have for you about these series but if any of that floats your boat you can go over to audible spookshow again that's audible Trial Dot com slash spook show for your free audiobook. So like we always say, they give you a credit. You can take that credit, get a free book. You get to keep the book no matter what, whether you cancel or keep going, helps us out. You get a free book. Win, win. Jumped over to IMDB, clicked on plot summaries. And here we go. We got a few. We've got the simple one sentence one. A martial artist hunts a killer in a plague infested urban dump of the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. That's all we have to say about it. Good night, folks. Um, There's three more. I'm not going to read all these. I'm just going to read the longest one. This was uh, submitted by Daniel Williamson. (laughs) It's hilarious when you hear it. Gibson Rickenbacker is a hired fighter living in a plague-ravaged apocalyptic America where a plague has infested most of the United States and the rest of the world. In New York City, Gibson encounters a woman named Pearl Prophet. Pearl reveals to Gibson that she is a cyborg who is carrying vital information for a group of scientists in Atlanta who are working on a cure to the plague and Pearl hires Gibson to escort her back to Atlanta. But Pearl is kidnapped by pirates, a murderous gang led by Fender Tremolo, who who wants to cure for themselves, and they decide to take Pearl to Atlanta themselves. Gibson, joined by a young woman named Natty Simmons, goes in pursuit of Fender and his gang as Gibson sets out to rescue Pearl, stop Fender and his gang from reaching Atlanta, and defeat Fender, who slaughtered Gibson's family. You know, like, as I was watching it, and like, right right, (laughs) right out the gates... And this was without me, like really, this is, I I watched the movie and then we did the research and done everything that's led up to this point. Right. So without knowing all the background and and knowing everything, my first note was, is it just me or does this movie start off a bit like masters of the universe? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really does. And now that I know, and now that I know what we know from, you know, Austin and everything else we've looked at and now it makes perfect sense. But,
1: (laughs) well, boy, uh, well, what, Well, hell, if you if you tuned into the TV and were watching this under the title, one of the titles on television, like you mentioned earlier, was Masters of the Universe 2 Cyborg. Yeah. You would be severely disappointed if you went into thinking it was going to be tied to Masters of the Universe. Even more disappointed than you were in seeing Masters of the Universe <laughs> by canon if you were expecting it to be like the, the animated series or something like that. I guess, so, the, yeah,
0: yeah. I guess the real question is, though, as far as the Masters of the Universe stuff is concerned, are we more disappointed that we didn't get Masters of the Universe 2 that would have had some of these elements to it? Or are we happy that we got what we got? I guess that's the real question.
1: Well, I think we're happy that we got what we got. But I would say that if you were, let's say, a, a canon film, well, even if you were just a Masters of the Universe fan, maybe you know, not so much a John Call Van Damme fan, and you tuned into it thinking it was going to be tied to that, then, yeah, you would be severely disappointed. But yeah, I think most people would be not disappointed, be happy that it's a new a Van Damme movie rather than necessarily a sequel. No, I'm not 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 shitting on Canon's Master of the Universe because it is it is what it is. It is a fun movie. But you know, you did not get what you expected. No, No. If you were expecting it to be based strictly on Mattel's toy line cartoon series and all that stuff. You got you got the Canon films Version
0: of that. Yeah. When we talked, we talked about that when we did that one on, you know, the cannon fodder yeah. episode and that, like, even when I was seven or eight, I'm like, what the hell is this? You know? like Yeah, yeah exactly. In fact, I
1: like it more now than I did back then. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, well, I, I don't know about that. Like I, I'm kind of 50 50 on that because like, even though, and we talked about that in that episode too, even though it wasn't as what I expected, it was still cool to see He-Man and Skeletor and everything. So like.
1: The action version. Yeah.
0: I still loved it. You Know as seven, eight, nine years old, you know, because it's like, well, yeah, it ain't perfect, but it's the only He Man Skeletor movie we're probably ever getting, so you know, it is what it is, you know. Now, yeah, I appreciate it for what it is, but I, I think I enjoyed it even then just because I know I wouldn't be getting another one, yeah, <laughs> especially after you watch it, like, yeah, they're not making another one of these. <laughs> I love uh, this movie, and, and this is a thing in the 80s and the 90s, too, of uh, the future being bleak as fuck like it goes to shit real quick and, and almost every 80s post-apocalyptic movie like you know i don't i don't know if they ever said how far in the future this was i think it just says in the future
1: yeah right? yeah exactly it says exactly that yeah. whenever uh fender is going to, doing his monologue about about you know loving the way the yeah. world is now basically yeah. the violent shipholder hold it is because it. in the future yeah
0: and it's so nondescript. It's like, what? Well, what happened? The plague. <laughs> and there, and I love that. It's not only just the eighties vision of the future. Right. But the technology doesn't make sense. You know, like, especially knowing what we know now, I, I'll give you that 30 years later. Right. We know yeah. iPhones yeah. and internet, blah, blah, blah. But like those things weren't around, but like, I love that, like, the cities are, are run down and, and just beat all to hell, and you know, like, war-torn and everything, but there's still, like, a TV electronics repair place on the, oh, yeah, yeah. On, you know, like, it's, it's like 80s technology, but just throw some, some, uh, junk around to make it look like the future, you know?
1: <laughs> it's the canon way. <laughs>
0: yeah, and speaking of that, and speaking of that technology gap, right, so... Let me get this straight. The whole premise of the movie is they made a woman, a cyborg just to transport information.
1: Oh, well, first of all, let's start with that. Anyway, cyborg. Whenever I first saw this movie, I remember thinking, oh, cool. Van Damme's going to be a cyborg. He's going to be like a Terminator or something, you know?
0: Yeah. No. Before
1: That's, no, no, that's what I thought though. When I was going into it. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah I'm absolutely. Van Damme is a cyborg or yep.
0: something. <laughs> I remember watching, man, this movie used to play all the time on like, you know, Saturday matinees, like, you know, you just watched uh, uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Coming up next, Jean-Claude Van Damme stars in Cyborg, you know, <laughs> and then you watched some edited yeah, yeah. version of it or something, but yeah. that and, you know, between, I'm sure it was on HBO and Cinemax and stuff like that back in the day, but like, that's how I watched it back then. So yeah, I remember even back then seeing like, oh, Cyborg, Van Dam, holy shit. You know, like you said, like, this is going to be yeah. awesome. It's Terminator <laughs> now.
1: Uh -uh. Yeah, and it was it's still badass, you know. As when you watched it, you you know once you get over that initial like, okay, I'll i guess he's not going to be a cyborg. Yeah, (laughs) the cyborg is this woman who's barely there. She's kind of like the plot element that drives the movie along, but she's not really that tied to it.
0: Yeah, she's barely in it. Really, some key scenes at the beginning. She pops up again in the middle, and then there she is at the end. That's pretty much it. But I just mean mean, the technology gap of this, like they so in this in this post apocalyptic. Plague riddled world, they can turn a woman into a cyborg. <laughs> they can turn a person into a robot. Half half man, half robot thing, right? Like Robocop. They can do this, but they can't just transfer files from one place to another. <laughs> there's a there's a uh, logic there's a logic gap there, Mr. Pune.
1: Yeah, you gotta crawl before you can walk. I mean, hell, they just like totally you know bypass the whole you know, forget this you know, whether we can go from what gigs to whatever the next ter- thing up to ter- that was. Terabytes. Right?
0: <laughs> terabytes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're just going to like cyborgs. Yeah. <laughs> like they they'll just, be able to carry what we need.
0: They just go from, well, you no, know, in this, it's like the technology leap is like 18 inch color TVs to cyborgs. <laughs> yeah. Forget everything in between. We don't need it. It's trying to like the whole point of the movie, right? Uh, then, it, well, I, I should say there is a sub point to the movie and we'll get to that but like, as far as like getting the cyborg part of it, right. Getting her from wherever the hell she's at to Atlanta. Don't they show Mm -hmm. a scene? There's a flashback scene of like them turning her, like you're going to sacrifice yourself to become a cyborg. Right. So she's, they made her a cyborg in Atlanta. Is that what I gather? And then she went somewhere else, got whatever (laughs) information she needed. And then now she needs to go back to Atlanta. Is that what's happening? Mm Um, I
1: don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's some gap there too. Why? Should, what? What was her other mission? Maybe. Maybe there's a prequel there. What her mission yeah. was.
0: I don't know if I want to see know. that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Albert had it in the works or something.
0: Oh yeah. I'm, oh, I'm sure he had a whole thing planned out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like that. That was where it was like, what the hell is going on here? You know, with the cyborg thing. The other thread of the movie is. Van Dam Gibson Rickenbacker, <laughs> he he is a slinger and uh, like we said earlier apparently you only come to the conclusion that the slinger is like these these guys and I guess women too that kind of escort people from one place or another or they're good at getting in and out of you know these places or, or they they can they can uh traverse the wastelands of of America in this situation right
1: and yeah, trying one piece to the other side of where it is you need to be going you know protecting you from pirates yeah yeah whatever
0: the shit that is happening in this in this scenario so like he meets up with a i i the way i gather it is he is hired i guess by this woman that has a couple of kids that need to go from they need to be safe whatever the hell they hired him for and they find a like a farm and then or, you know, an old house or something. And then they just play family, right? <laughs> they just become a yeah. family. I didn't feel like it was his family to begin with. I feel like he was hired no, and not, then all of a sudden, no. right? Like he didn't have,
1: those kids weren't his, right? None of them. Yeah. They no, all, like, they all so. were, there. hers, right? I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, kind of hard to get. I know. Maybe there's more to that in the, in P- Albert Pugh's original slinger cut of it. Must be. I don't know.
0: Maybe, I but gather. I mean, yeah, it's
1: very confusing. It's just slapped together of like, yeah,
0: basically like he's hired to escort them. And all of a sudden like, well, we found this house, let's set up roots. <laughs> and <laughs> then he kind of takes them on as his family. And then all of a sudden Fender and his gang, the pirates, they show up yeah. and, you know, uh, Tort- what you see later in the movie is they, they torture them and, 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 uh, kill yeah. what, the mom and the, the, was it a little boy, I think. Right. Yeah. The, the yeah, other yeah. kid. Yeah. By one of the most fucked up means necessary, by the way, he he basically, he like strings Gibson and the woman and the the boy up with bar, I guess, rope and barbed wire or something. Like ties them up, then holds them over a well. Meanwhile, makes the, uh, what would you say? Roughly 15 year old girl, whatever age she is, the, the, uh, Haley, the girl makes her hold them up. By barbed wire <laughs> yeah. like if you can hold them they're gonna live so of course what do you what do you think right so they show this yeah. and, and what I'm describing here plays out in like eight different flashbacks throughout the entire movie when they finally show the part though where it happens and you see them fall down the well somehow Gibson is perfectly fine <laughs> but they fell yeah. but they fell and died so did he what do you what what <laughs> did he fall on top of them? Look around, like oh shit! I, I made it out of there. Oh damn, they're dead. Well, I'm gonna climb out of the well. You know,
1: either way, that's pretty dark for canon, right? I mean, absolutely. I, in, in fact, again, the movie, original movie, was even darker, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty dark stuff for canon. Like, here's your family. You know, the only way you're gonna they're gonna live is if you can hold onto this barbed wire yeah. as they're you know being lowered down into the well with it.
0: Yeah. Good lord. And yeah. of course, that the culmination of all that is that Haley basically gets, gets taken by Fender. And this is sometime later from the flashback, what would you say? Roughly 10 years, I guess you kind of put to, like, maybe, yeah. put put it together, yeah. you know, five to 10 years later, or whatever uh, that this, you know, this whole cyborg thing plays out with Van Damme's character. And Haley is still with Fender and she's like on his side, or at least you feel like she's on his side until, you know, a little bit later on, but toward the end, but, Yeah, that was the big reveal, Is that like, oh, wait a minute, that's that girl that was holding her family with the barbed wire. (laughs) Mostly, the movie is basically them going from one place to another. He's helping out Pearl Prophet, you know, the cyborg, but then eventually, like, they, the gang comes along, beats the shit out of Van Damme, and just takes her. Meanwhile, she's, like, pretty much willing to go with them. Like, yeah, like, well, that they're more powerful and can take care of me anyway, so they'll get me to Atlanta, and then we'll take care of them. (laughs) So she just... She just, fuck you, Gibson, you know, (laughs) I'll get them to take me, (laughs) but he meets up with Natty and she wants to help. So they continue on the path of helping them get to Atlanta kind of just in the background, really like, you know, they have various fights with the gang, take a few of them out. Right. But meanwhile, Fender's gang is still making its way to Atlanta. Now his motivation in getting her to Atlanta is if he can, uh, basically get the cure for the plague. Then he rules the world, right? Because everybody would owe him, like, well, if you want to be cured of the plague, kiss the throne, right? That's his motivation. Meanwhile, they're trying to just get her there so the world can be a better place kind of thing. But along the way, there's lots of knife sharpening. That should have been one of the alternate titles of this movie. (laughs) Knife sharpener the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, did you notice that there's a lot of knife sharpening? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Maybe.
1: Anytime you have an awkward scene of like, or where there's no dialogue or anything, just just pull out the knife and start sharpening it. Or if you need to have the running time or something. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's literally even one scene where there's about five or six do- shirtless dudes, just you know, buff, <laughs> post-apocalyptic dudes with no shirts, sitting around sharpening knives, <laughs> and it just pans from <laughs> left to right, like slowly, like, well, that's all they're doing. <laughs> And multiple scenes of uh, Van Dam sharpening his knife, you know, like just a lot of it going on. here. <laughs> they missed out that on an alternate title on that one. How about when he knocked? Oh, the, how about when he knocked the dude out with a basketball? <laughs> he, just gra- <laughs> he just grabs the basketball and like he he didn't really like throw it or anything. He just kind of boom, and they he just knocks the dude the clean, ball, like, <laughs> hit him in the face with the ball, <laughs> knocks the dude clean out. <laughs> You know, I've
1: gotten, you know, back in the day as a teenager or whatever, I got hit in the face with a basketball, not by somebody with their hands, oh, yeah. but just, I, you know, boom, it was yeah, thrown right. or whatever, right? It's painful. And yeah, it gives you a little, it gives you a little, uh, but, you know, you don't get knocked. And I was a teenager. So. Yeah,
0: I didn't get knocked out, but I got squared up in the nose. That didn't feel good. But yeah. I still didn't get knocked yeah, out. No, like, yeah, you see a little stars, you know, a yeah, little yeah. white,
1: you know, flash or whatever.
0: <laughs> no, this dude, he just, and he didn't even do it with full force. He just kind of like pushes it forward. And then the dude just, uh,
1: <laughs> no if that's all it took that kid could have done that probably knocked him out
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no shit i like there's one scene where uh gibson and natty go swimming and they come out of the water and they're still filthy <laughs> everybody's filthy as hell in this movie you notice that like they're always covered in dirt grime blood sweat but
1: how about what about fenders glasses i don't even know how he could see his entire sunglasses were crusted with whatever it was the I, city city dust i don't know
0: yeah, and that is part of his unique look, right? Now, I guess my question is I haven't seen enough of the guy in other movies know are his eyes really like that, or did they have some kind of contact thing going on with him?
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't know that it, I haven't dug into him to see if I've seen him in other movies. I don't recall him in yeah. too many other movies, but I know I've been in some other ones that I wouldn't, I would say that was kind of, it just kind of looked like contact lenses just because the way they were yeah. so, like, bright.
0: <laughs> yeah, you would think, but I, I don't know. That's why I asked, but yeah. it definitely helps the unique look and, and why one of the reasons I think you would remember this movie years later is like, you know, of course, Van Dam, of course, the whole post-apocalyptic thing, uh, theme of it and everything, but also th- this dude's look, he has a very unique look in this movie. And, it's, and, it, and he, he's a good villain in this movie. So it, I think it holds up in that regard as far as like, these are one of the things you remember about it.
1: And, and as Austin Trinick mentioned, he's he's wearing the costuming in Matt, from Blade, I think it was right, in Masters yeah. of the Universe.
0: Yeah. And now that he said <laughs> that, like, you can't unsee that. He is... <laughs> He is straight up. <laughs> How about Van Dam's uh, usual split that he doesn't that he used yeah, to do in every movie?
1: Yeah, I was waiting for it when I mean back the first time I saw this movie, and I was waiting for is he going to do a split? Because yeah. I saw this movie, I think after I'd already seen Kickboxer too. You know, yeah. I didn't see it probably exactly so, yeah. right when it came out. I think I don't remember exactly what the time period was, but I know I'd probably seen a few Van Dam movies before that. I'm like, is he
0: going to do a split anywhere? Yeah, and then there,
1: there it was. It pops up in the scene where he's between the two walls or whatever and then he stabs the guy right I, I
0: think he stabs the dude in the head you don't you don't see it happen yeah. like you just see him he's doing the split he's over the guy and then he comes down with the knife so I think he stabbed the dude yeah. in the head but you didn't see it
1: That would have been awesome to see if it was if it was shot with the with the actual finishing you know move or whatever you want to call it because you know the movie did like said get an X rating from the MPAA originally and they had to cut it down to an R so I just wonder if that's one of the ones that was cut not.
0: So they finally get to Atlanta and and that like you said that match shot where you see Atlanta and everything and there's a thunderstorm <laughs> Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta is straight up a hellscape. I love that <laughs> not only did they set up the fact that like this is uh, just a, a a hellish landscape that is Atlanta, but for some reason this is where quote unquote the rebellion lives. You know like <laughs> the the, head, yeah. the headquarters of good is in, in Atlanta which looks like, you know, the gates of hell. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's some kind of running thing with that. I don't know how many movies have used that, but I know for sure this and walking dead, right. Cause they were yeah. getting to Atlanta and walking dead for a reason that they thought that something well, was going to be there that, was, that they needed. To, and yeah.
0: that was because <laughs> of the CDC, right? Like I think isn't the, uh, not CDC, but something like that, right? Maybe it is isn't yeah. C CDC. One of them's like, there's a yeah, headquarters. In Atlanta. Yeah. Center. Yeah. There's one. It's like it's headquartered in Atlanta or there's a big part of it in Atlanta or something. So maybe that's why that, Kind of theme keeps coming up. I don't know, but yeah, that I mean, really, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's some other key scenes, like where Fender and his gang just beat the living fuck out of Gibson, and then they kind of crucify him, right? Like, yeah, yeah, they don't really, but they kind of do.
1: Yeah, it's like a, it's a ship mass, right? Some of it. Boat, whatever, been pulled up on on shore, or whatever, and tries on the mast of it.
0: They just like with crossbow bolt. Some, yeah, I was about to say they like stick some arrows to his hands, but then his wrists are still tied, so he's just kind of you know. Really, I mean, other than just that final fight with Fender, that's pretty much it. Like there, there's a, a obvious like ten to fifteen minute long final battle with Fender <laughs> out in the rain. Yeah, you know, which is an epic big you know. 80s type of uh, this type of movie fight. It's a big, epic fight. G- of course, Gibson wins. They deliver Pearl to whatever they're delivering her to to get the information. And him and... Uh, oh, I should say that Natty dies in that final battle with Fender. Right? She takes a shot yeah. or something, right? And I forget. I think she...
1: Yeah, t- something he's in that like car after he got, he got thrown through the car windshield, the burned out car or whatever it was, sitting there. And then there's that whole scene where... Yeah, he does something to her right while not remember what uh, he's,
0: he's either, a- he yeah, he either stabbed <laughs> her or shot. I don't remember exactly what happened, but like basically she dies and that's kind of the yeah. big moment, like she sacrificed herself, you know, for the for them, for the cause, whatever how you want to phrase it. And then but uh Haley, the girl that you know the barbed wire girl, she turns on Fender and helps Gibson defeat him, and then they turn Pearl over to the, you know, the proper people. And then they're just like, well, "Are you going to join? You going to join up with the rebellion?" No, there's others out there that need us. And then they just walk away. At the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess they were setting up for the sequels, although the sequels had little to do with any of this. But uh, it would have—I yeah. guess—it would have been slightly interesting to see where uh, Albert Pune would have would have went with it if he was, you know, the ones calling the shot on that end. But I guess that all—the yeah. lineage of that product—probably, in a lot of ways, pretty much died with. Golden Globus is canon, right? You know, I would imagine you know, they were trying to set something up there and then it just well, that was it. Yep. So there you go. That's uh that's cyborg. So I have Donnie's rating. I'll save I but I don't have Will's. He he didn't uh send me that. But I do have uh Donnie's cannonball rating. But um I guess I'll go first since this was my nominee. And uh, you know that's usually the way we play it, so I think, as far as canon movies are concerned, they are far better, but they are far worse. Van Dam is really good in this flick, you know, I think overall it, you know it holds up pretty well. There's some scenes that look a little cheap ass, but you know nineteen eighty nine but I think there's plenty to enjoy here if you like those action post apocalyptic action movies that there were a lot of in the late eighties and early nineties. This is probably one of the better ones, a couple of good performances. You know, or at least for this type of movie, right? I'm not, You're not comparing it to anything that would be worthy of an Oscar, but for these type of movies, a couple pretty good performances. So you've got the right amount of action and nudity and everything. So <laughs> thumbs up. I'll give it, uh, I'll give it four cannonballs on Moscow. And like we said, you know, Austin gave it five earlier. I could definitely see going there. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to shit on that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with, like you're saying, is as far as it's being in the canon catalog and in our sliding canon scale, there are much better and there are much worse. You know, there are definitely much worse.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: But yeah, there are better. Also, as you said, post-apocalyptic thing, that was a big, that was a huge thing in the 80s. I mean, hell, it started, you could go back to some movies in the 70s. And then even today, it's still going, the post-apocalyptic. Apocalyptic subgenre, and for me personally, it's a it's a personal favorite of mine. Whether they're American made, Australian made, and also by Australian, I'm thinking of of like Mad Max and Road Road Warrior and whatnot, and, or Italian made. The Italians put out a shit ton. As we've done at least one so far, which was 1990, The Bronx Warriors. So yeah, I'm a sucker for post-apocalyptic movie especially in the 80s when john claude Van Damme's his fighting skills and all that's great His acting skills are what they are, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, he, he he's an action star and whatever. It's much like uh, Dolph Lundgren, you know. It's
0: it's minimal dialogue.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's minimal dialogue. It, what? Who cares? You're there for the for the cinematography. I mean, not cinematography for the uh, for the action.
0: Uh, You're there for the action. <laughs> the
1: other one, choreography, the fight
0: choreography. Yeah, exactly, it. exactly.
1: And and his scenes and you know doing what he does. And so and you get plenty of that. And again, uh, if you're a fan of the, the post-apocalyptic, uh, post-apocalyptic theme then then you got that too that's a bonus so i i, I pretty much echo yours i'm gonna go with the four cannonballs on it as i said I, I can't i can see where austin again like you said went with five went for a cannonball you know sliding scale a cannon cannonball rating but uh yeah i'll go with four as well
0: donnie i don't know what his thoughts were on it but he gave me a cannonball rating of three and i don't have will's rating so all right so donnie's not with us like we said but he did leave us his cannon connections Canon Connections. So as always, he he does a a good job with finding these connections and he found a a few good ones here. Of course, the the biggest one here is Jean-Claude Van Damme. But I was thinking this was the first Van Damme movie we had done, but no. Donnie found the one, and I forgot about this. He was a soldier and Missing in Action. Remember, it was a very small part. Probably wouldn't even know that he was in it kind of thing, but we had he huh. not only was have we done a van dam a movie with van dam in it i should say but this isn't even the first canon one he you know with missing an action so there's that
1: um also well we move on further from there i'm pretty sure that uh maybe it was will who who you know we put the canon movies on a uh, a wheel right that, yeah, i think that's how we did it it's a wheel yeah. i think wills wasn't his
0: breaking yes it was yep.
1: and uh if that had won that would have been another connection because yeah. uh, Van Damme is in there as a <laughs> as one of the beach break dancers. Yeah, so there you, know, you go.
0: That would have been another good one. Um, <laughs> but as far as the crew connections, uh, he's got the FX uh, uh, person Thomas Flouts. He connects to Critters, Malignant, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, and Hellraiser Bloodline. So four, four connections from Thomas flouts. And that's pretty interesting ones too. That's all over the board. Hmm. Even all the way up to malignant for God's sake. So yeah, (laughs) there we go. Always, always cool to uh, see that stuff. And, uh, since this is cannon fodder, we don't do gore score. We don't do kill count and everything. So that's, I guess that's pretty much where we'll leave it. As far as the, uh, critic, the critic aggregates and everything for this one, IMDB, it got five out of 10 stars. Metascore. On Metacritic, you know, that goes up to 100. It got 24. <laughs> so not not good. And Rotten Tomatoes wasn't <laughs> wasn't very friendly either. Tomato Meter, 22%. And the audience score was a little higher, but only 31%. So, yeah, I, I think audiences and critics are kind of meh. It is what it is. But I, I think there is some, you know, if you like that type of movie and you like the, uh, you know, the canon films like we do, I think there's a lot of enjoyment to be had here with this one. So, I think as the Spook Show gang, all together, we recommend it. And, of course, we'll get – maybe at some point we'll get Donnie's actual thoughts on it. And, of course, we need to get Will's cannonball rating and everything. And I'm sure this will come back up – it will come back up on our fifth anniversary and, uh, you know, the Spook Show Awards and everything else. So I guess we'll we'll leave it there for now. But coming up next week, we're going back to the Hellraiser series. I guess I have no one to blame but myself here for this one. But and, and I, I'm – it's – uh, my choice this time. And I've got to pick a newer one. So I'm like, you know what? We need to get through this Hellraiser series so we can move on to some other stuff. So I'm just going to go ahead and use my nomination now and go ahead and go with Hellraiser Hellseeker. That's Hellraiser six. So that's what we're going to be talk watching and talking about next Monday. So, but before then though, don't forget this Friday on Patreon troll Two. So you want to be a member over on patreoncom slash spook show and go to a spook show.com for links and and everything else. So you, you want to be around for this Friday for Troll 2, because I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that as much as you can look forward to anything on Crafts Peace Theater. I'll say that. So, True. I'm
1: looking forward to it so much that, I'll, I, like I said at the beginning, I think of this show or whichever show it was, it was my choice. So I don't even have to be there for that episode, yeah. but I probably will yeah. <laughs> so because it's go. Troll 2. <laughs> so
0: there you go. Yeah. So for Donnie and Will, who couldn't be with us, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are from the All-American Spook Show, and we'll talk to you next week.
2: As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.